from the campuses of East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee, and Emory and Henry College in Emory, Virginia. This is Religion for Life. I'm John Shuck. I'm the minister of the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. In my 21 years of ministry, I would say the most important and rewarding thing I do is to encourage people to doubt everything. You have the permission to doubt every so-called absolute. Much religious teaching is based on fear and the need to control what others believe and do. Teachings such as God as judge, that the Bible must be obeyed, and heaven and hell are particularly pernicious in my view. They do nothing more than instill fear, control behavior, and make people feel bad about themselves and stop the search. A safe bet is that everything your preacher says, including me, is likely wrong. Search for yourself. I do tell my congregation that we are BYOG. Bring your own God, or none for that matter. Search for yourself. I'm thrilled today to welcome to Religion for Life someone who has done that and is here to share what her search has meant to her. My guest is uh, P.J. Fisk. She is uh, the author of a book called If God is My Father, Who is My Mother? A Spiritual Journey. She's mothered six children and now grandmothers 12. She raised her daughters within the context of a fundamentalist Christian church uh, based on the patriarchal systems of Bible and religion. And she's been an avid student on the topic of women and religion for over 30 years. She's pursued research into the history of ancient religions up to current times in an effort to understand the plight of the female in a predominant male system of religion. She lives in Colorado with her husband, Lauren, at the foothills of the beautiful Rocky Mountains and she's with me via Skype from Colorado. Welcome, Paula, to Religion for Life. Good morning, John. Uh, Tell me a little bit uh, about yourself. What do do you do there in Colorado? Right now, I'm retired. I I support my husband, counsel with my husband, as he develops a program called Amy's House for girls who have been trafficked sexually and uh, rescued. So I'm supporting him. Otherwise, I'm focusing on my writing. And of course, the latest book that you've written is If God is My Father, Who is My Mother? A Spiritual Journey. Uh, What motivated you to write this book? Many years ago, I kept questioning why things were the way they were. And I started discovering things that seemed like I should know this. Why didn't I know this? where does this come from? And I just kept asking questions and searching until I said, I need to tell others. I I need to tell other women who have been in the traditional or conservative uh, churches that this information is out there. So I joined a writing class uh, about 10 years ago, eight, 10 years ago. And I wanted to just write about what I had discovered. And they kept asking me questions and saying, uh, well, why did you come to this place? Or um, tell us of that story or whatever. So they convinced me through this class and other critique groups I was in that I needed to tell my story, not just what I'd found out, but what put me in the position to um, desire to find out. Well, let's talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about your story. You grew up um, in the Seventh-day Adventist church as a child. What, what was that like? 
Actually, it was my grandmother that was a Seventh-day Adventist. Um, my parents were not at the time. Um, but she, my being her oldest granddaughter, she had great influence on me. So I went to church with her. Um, one with my grandfather on the paternal side, too. But my grandmother on the maternal side had more influence on me. So I went to church with her. Eventually... Uh, went to work for the church. Um, my husband, my first husband, um, who is now deceased, he was going to school, college, at an Adventist college. And I started working for the church that way. Got acquainted with the people and eventually ended up as dean of girls, dean of women at the college. And that's what... Um, brought me into the questioning was my experiences as dean of women at the high school level and then as at the college level. And you write about some of those experiences in your book. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, those experiences and in particular in in relationship to um, the church and its roles for men and women? The Seventh-day Adventist Church is a conservative church. especially 50 years ago when we're talking about my first starting out um, employed by the church. When I was first married um, and raising my children, I raised them very conservatively within the Adventist church. We lived on a farm. They went to a small church school. We attended a very small church. It was a closed community. And... I believed in the role of submission to the male dominance within the church and within my home. I just couldn't live it. It felt so uncomfortable. There were many things that felt uncomfortable. And raising daughters um, conflicted with my view of, of freedom for them and growth for them. Then when I went to work for the church as a dean of girls at a high school, There were small things that should have been insignificant, but push my buttons, such as boys being able to wear shorts and go sleeveless. The girls had to wear slacks and sleeves. Um, It felt like as long as I kept the girls really conservatively dressed, then the boys would be okay. That we were supposed, we were responsible for protecting the boys. And then I had some incidents where I felt responsible that um, I was being made responsible for um, some of the men. And there were incidents that happened that I, I just couldn't put my finger on, but they felt very uncomfortable. I started having girls come to me that I, I found troubled and spent hours in my office with young women burying their souls. And often... It came about that their dysfunction was out of mistreatment in their homes, in their churches, in their schools sometimes. And too often, this mistreatment was sexual abuse. And I was really um, discouraged and depressed with this. 
because I had no place to go for help, the leaders in the school, the principals, the church leaders did not want to hear this and did not want me to deal with it. So I had to continually uh, try to do what I could for the young women that came to me. And this continued um, through the five years I was in um, academy or high school work. And it's caused me to really start questioning the church, start questioning God and all the whys. Then I went into college for five years, found out the same thing. And while I was in college, discovered that there were issues within my own home and that that is why I had felt so uncomfortable a number of times and found out eventually with my own daughters. And by this time, I had come to the place where I had to find answers as to why women were coming out of the shadows with sexual abuse issues and why in my own home that was a conservative Christian home and all the homes that I had heard about, why was this happening? So I started um, reading everything I could get my hands on about it. I started um, looking at um, theological, uh, religious issues and um, started saying to myself, um, there's something really, really wrong and felt compelled to discover why. So as I read your book, uh, you also have a, a number of personal stories, uh, stories that you just mentioned, uh, abuse stories, painful stories. Uh, what was it like to write about that? Well, the writing of this material has been 10 years worth. I often said, I'm not going to do this. I can't mm -hmm. do this. It wasn't based so much on my feelings as my fears of if I tell these stories and I bring this story out, I'm going to have a lot of people upset with me. So I often said, I don't want to go there. Um, it was a, a real process of going through the painful parts now that I look back, I'm very thankful that I did that. Um, it's been helpful to other people because I was willing to do that. Um, but I, yes, I guess the only thing I can really tell you, John, it was difficult, <laughs> but it was mm -hmm. over years, not just weeks or months that I went through it. So, Well, of course, it makes... It very real. This isn't just abstract. This is what happens uh, with real life, uh, with an understanding of church and religion and God uh, that is not helpful, but in fact harmful. My guest is P.J. Fisk. She is the author of If God is My Father, Who is My Mother? A Spiritual Journey. So what, what was the, when did you start making that connection itself uh, in, in your research uh, to understand the relationship between patriarchy and God and the experience and abuse of women? I believe that the first time I really started making any kind of connection was when I was invited by a neighbor to go to a hand-reading class 
Now, I tried to get out of that because I felt like this was walking on the devil's land. Hmm. (laughs) But she would not let me get away with that. And so I ended up going with her to this class. And as I sat and met the women there in that room, coming from a very conservative Christian background, I do not believe there was another Christian in the room. And listening to their conversations, I heard the word goddess. And I, I, I was just astounded. I had never heard that word. And on my way home with my neighbor, I said, have you ever heard that word before? And she kind of chuckled and said, yes, of course. And I said, well, how, how can that, I, I, I just don't get that. And so she said, well, I've got some books you can read and it'll tell you the story. So I started reading about the goddess and the thought would not go away. I thought this this is the devil's ground. I've got to get off this ground, whatever. But it wouldn't go away until one day, just sitting in prayer meditation, I said, why not? Why not? Why are women second place? Why is it not okay to call a woman goddess? And that really started my journey of discovery, that having to find out that there had been goddess, that there was a place for that, and yet feeling guilty for even looking into it. I never said anything to anyone for a long time. I just kept discovering until I got to the place where I decided to write about it. You know, you use the phrase a couple of times, the devil's playground. I mean, there is so much baggage and weight of authority and do not doubt. The whole system is based on keeping people in the dark, isn't it? Yeah, my main purpose for the book is not to tell others what to think. It's it's to cause them to question. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten two reviews back from my book from two different women that said, you reading your book has brought questions to my mind that I never thought I had. And that's what I want to do. I want to give women permission to think differently, to discover for themselves their own personal divine self instead of believing and trusting that all that they've learned and keep what keeps them in a second position, especially within some conservative churches, um, it does not is not part of God. And then the second message is that there is a motherhood aspect to God. There is a mother aspect to God. There has to be. You know, Mary Daly, the famous theologian, I believe it was in the 70s uh, or early 70s or maybe late 60s. She said, when God becomes male, the male becomes God. That's why. That's why. Because we've been taught and men believe that God is male Therefore, they must be more important. (laughs) So I started really questioning that. And and even a a number of women just 
did not like my questioning that. So not only do men uh, inherit the patriarchy of, of this religious system, but also women internalize it as well. And that was also frustrating for you. Very frustrating. It still is frustrating because actually women have to believe that they're not second-class citizens before we can make any changes within the system. And if women stand strong on the fact that God is male, then it's going to make it much more difficult to bring the mother aspect of God into play. The, the main reason, John, one of the things I found, too, in all the hundreds of young women that I counseled is such low self-images. Mm-hmm. Our young women, over and over again, it was rare to find a young woman, um, teenage or early 20s, that had a good self-image. And I came to believe the same thing. It has to do within the church systems that teach that God is male. How, how can young women have that same value, same worth that the young man has with no mother or female image within the Godhead? And so what did that do for you when you started to recognize uh, goddess? Um, How did that make you feel about yourself and your own journey? It took a long time Mm -hmm. to change my own personal view of myself and my value. I still struggle with that. I'm 71 years old. It's unacceptable that you're questioning your position Mm-hmm. It makes you um, feel, um, you know, like when you're within the church, in that system, it makes you feel like a sinner. <laughs> so you question yourself, and you do that for years. It's really hard to come out of it. That That's another reason why I want to get the message out so that young women can create a better image in relation to a, could I use the word balanced God with feminine and masculine aspects? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you wrote, uh, searching and accepting new theology was a heart-wrenching experience. Moving beyond theology was even more so. Uh, so do you see your work as even moving beyond theology itself, beyond uh, notions of God? Um, the notions that I had been given. Mm-hmm the notions that I had received, the doctrines, the religious beliefs that I had, it was very, very difficult to move beyond. And I, I did come to the place where I said, I'm throwing everything out. I'm not going to keep anything I've been given. Mm-hmm. So I tried to do that. And what it meant is I had to set the Bible aside because I was so indoctrinated that I couldn't read it and see anything but doctrine. So I set it aside. I spent time in prayer, meditation, whatever. And I just came to the conclusion that the only thing that I can really believe in God is that I believe God is love. 
no matter what I see, no matter what I've experienced, I believe God is love. And I stand on that basis today. Today, I couldn't tell you I believe this or I believe that because it has changed so frequently for me that I still today stand on firm on the one thing I do know is that God is love. My guest is uh, P.J. Fisk. She's the author of If God is My Father, Who is My Mother? A Spiritual Journey. She's speaking with me via Skype uh, from Colorado. And you found um, encouragement in some 19th century women. I'm thinking, you know, ironically, uh, Ellen White um, was the 19th century woman who kind of is, in in a sense, the founder of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. But she was still within the traditions of patriarchy. I think, but you found Elizabeth Cady Stanton uh, and some others of that era who helped you rethink God and the Bible altogether. Um, I would like to go back to and, and uh, speak about Ellen White. Actually, yeah. um, that's where I've gotten the basis of God being love. Okay. She wrote a book, Desire of Ages, about Jesus. And um, I still carry that book around. That book um, is what taught me about the basis of love. So while, yes, she was steeped in patriarchy, and I believe that actually her husband and other men took her writings and made a church from it, I believe that she was very um, inspired. And um, I, I still believe in a lot of her writings, especially if you take them purely from what she said. <laughs> Thank you uh, for clearing that up about Ellen White, that she she and her she herself uh, was used by the patriarchal system to uh, change change the, the beauty right. and the inspiration of what she had come to. Right. And going to Santon, I was so shocked when I found the book that she produced, um, The Woman's Bible. Mm-hmm. I kept saying, why didn't I know this had happened? I'd never heard that women had questioned um, what the Bible said or what patriarchy gave us that the Bible said. I'd never heard that. So I was so shocked and amazed and excited when I found that book and started reading what she had to write. And uh, that did put me into a position of, of studying history then um, for the 19th century when those questions were made and when women first got the vote in 1920, those types of things. I, I had never questioned or, or been educated um, about any of those things. Well, you're not alone. Uh, it's uh, it's only I know from my own stories. Only when I went to seminary, and and even then I had to uh, take special courses in women's theology or women's uh, feminist theology to uh, even learn about these important stories. So they've they've uh, women's experience within religion in terms of Christianity uh, certainly has been one that has had to be rediscovered uh, in in our modern times. And you've done that work, and, and part of that is that experience of, of permission giving and, and knowing that the, the quest itself is spiritual. Correct, correct. You know, um, so are you still searching, and uh, if so, what's the cutting edge for you now? I am still searching. I have a desire to write another book, and I will follow up on some of the stories that I told um, in the present book. 
I'm in touch with a number of the young women that I had in the dormitories, and I want to tell further stories where they are today, what happened, why the things did happen in their lives. Um, and I am still studying, and today I'm actually studying um, the mystic, the writings, especially of uh, women mystics. Yeah, you have an extensive uh, bibliography uh, in the back, and some of those authors I, I've read, some of them I have not. Um, if you could name two or three that really opened your mind to um, a new direction, and, and understanding that they're all your teachers, but w- were there a couple a- along the way that really set you off on a whole new way of thinking? Have you read Elaine Pagel? I have. I have. I love Elaine Pagels. Um, yes. Um, uh, she wrote, um, uh, was it Beyond Belief was uh, uh, a book about right. the Gospel of Thomas, which one I see that you have Marcus Borg on your list, uh, Rita Nakashima Brock, um, uh, Carol Christ, Deepak Chopra. Oh, my gosh. You've got you've got a library of people who have uh, influenced uh, influenced your thinking. Well, one other one I would mention is Andrew Harvey, who mm-hmm. is a current writer. Um, a couple of books that's had great influence are simple little books that no one reads, and I can't even pronounce the name of the author. But um, it was discoveries that he made um, within the within Rome, within the uh, Vatican that he wrote about and published in a little book. And again, I picked it up in a used bookstore. And um, little things like that where he's writing um, about Jesus and using mother, father, God in his language. It was things that I picked up like that that was just, yes, yes, I'm okay. (laughs) Other people have found this out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, my guest is P.J. Fisk. Uh, she's the author of If God is My Father, Who is My Mother? A Spiritual Journey. And, and I have a, a final question uh, for you. Listening to this program right now might be a young woman uh, who perhaps uh, is also uh, in a religious tradition uh, such as you've grown up, or frankly, just in the religious tradition and uh, the default religious tradition of male patriarchy. And what would you want to communicate to her, especially in light of opposition to free thinking? What would, what would be some encouragement that you would like to give those who are listening to this program today? I would encourage any person, but today any woman, to discover for herself what God is, to not accept what she's been handed or taught or forced to believe to have the freedom that God gives in love to discover self and listen to your inner self. Listen to yourself before you listen to others. All right. Very good. I appreciate so much this excellent book, If God is My Father, Who is My Mother? A Spiritual Journey by P.J. Fisk. You can find information about that at pjfisk.com. Paula, thank you for your time and for your work and for your continuing uh, spiritual exploration. It helps many people. Thank you, John. I appreciate the interview. You've been listening to Religion for Life, a program at the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. 
My name is John Shuck. I'm the minister of the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. Our website is fpcelizabethton.org. You can find more information about this program and links to podcasts at religionforlife.com. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, listen to us on iTunes. Religion for Life is co-produced by WETS-FM in Johnson City, Tennessee, and WEHC-FM in Emory, Virginia. Be well.